Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 5 of A New Voice of Freedom, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is part of a series we call Poets' Corner, an appendage to a series of books written under the banner In Defense of Christianity. This segment is John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, Podcast 28, Episode 5, Chapter 2A, Goodwill. In last week's episode, Christian, after being led off the straight and narrow way, escaped Mr. Worldly Wise Man. Legality, civility, and the village of morality, which tried to lure him into the wisdom of the world, rather than following the path outlined in the Bible. Evangelist helps guide Christian back on the straight and narrow path, which leads to the wicked gate, where he meets Mr. Goodwill. Then did Christian begin to go back to the right road, An evangelist, after he had kissed him, gave him one smile and bid him Godspeed. So he went on with haste, neither spake he to any man by the way, nor if any asked him would he give them an answer. He went like one that was all the while treading on forbidden ground, and could by no means think himself safe till again he was got in the way which he had left to follow Mr. Worldly Wise Man's counsel. So after a time, Christian got up to the gate. Now over the gate there was written, Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. A wicket gate, spelled W-I-C-K-E-T, is a smaller pedestrian gate that is built into a larger door. The larger door is meant for fortification or defense, as, say, in a castle wall. It suggests, of course, that Christian must gain permission before being allowed into the sanctuary. It is a small and narrow gate, permitting only one person at a time. In this instance, the gate has a guardian. It is Mr. Goodwill, hence the name, Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Part of the genius of Bunyan is in the meticulous way he analyzes the road to salvation. As we continue in Pilgrim's Progress, note the role of free will and agency. Let me first distinguish the difference between the two terms. First of all, intelligence self-exists. It cannot be created or destroyed. Intelligence is who we are. It is our consciousness. Will is inherent in our intelligence, or spirit, as is potential also. Free will is a product of law. God created our spirit body in His image, which houses our intelligence. The spirit has free will, not the body. The spirit has intelligence, not the body. The spirit has life in itself, not the body. The body is subject to temporal laws. The spirit isn't. The body dies, the spirit doesn't. The only way we can lose our free will is to give it away. We are enticed by God to do good. We are enticed by Satan to do evil. 
The spirit, not the body or brain, chooses whom it will serve. God protects our free will. Satan tries to take it away or have us forfeit it. Agency, on the other hand, is related to our knowledge of good and evil. Agency is the ability to choose between good and evil. We lose free will when we willfully allow Satan to take over our spirit. We lose agency when we call good evil and evil good. Notice the scripture referred to above. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. God does not impose his will upon you. That is among the differences between God and Satan. Satan will, if allowed, impose his will upon you. Satan seeks death and captivity. God seeks eternal life and freedom. That is among the primary differences between God and Satan. For the door to be opened to Christ, you must first knock. That preserves your agency. Also notice in the above that Christian had a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Humility is a necessary virtue to find in Christ. Worldly wise men, legality and civility did not possess humility. They were proud and sought to replace God. The village of morality is a misnomer. Bunyan was being ironic. It could more accurately be called the village of slight in ethics. It replaced the absolute laws of God with relative values. That is why it had no foundation. Christian continues to knock until someone answers. May I now enter? Will he within open to sorry me, though I have been an undeserving rebel? Then shall I not fail to sing his lasting praise on high. The gatekeeper knows that Christian is there. However, he does not run to the gate. Remember that Christian had veered off the straight and narrow path. Before entering the gate, he had to prove his humility. At last there came a grave person to the gate named Goodwill, who asked who was there, and whence he came, and what he would have. The three questions posed by Goodwill echo the three greatest theological questions asked by mankind. 1. Where did we come from? 2. Why are we here? And three, where are we going? Christian gives the right answer. Here is a poor, burdened sinner. I come from the city of destruction, but am going to Mount Zion, that I may be set free from the wrath to come. I would therefore, sir, since I am told that by this gate is the way thither, know if you are willing to let me in. The city of destruction is the end of the world. Mount Zion is the holy city come down from God, which will protect him from the wrath to come, which is the punishment of the wicked. Christian asks goodwill if he is willing to let him in. It brings to mind the words of Christ to John in the last chapter of the book of Revelation. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is athirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Goodwill generously responds. I am willing with all my heart, said he, and with that he opened the gate. Goodwill does a surprising thing. He actually jerks Christian through the gate. Christian is startled and asks, what does that mean? Goodwill's answer is rather chilling. 
A little distance from this gate there is erected a strong castle, of which Beelzebub, the evil one, is the captain, from whence both he and they that are with him shoot arrows at those who come up to the gate, if happily they may die before they can enter in. Bunyan is speaking from experience. He was a devout minister of the gospel and must have seen the trials many have when they first embrace the truth. Taken aback, Christian said, I rejoice and tremble. Goodwill drills Christian, asking who directed him to come to the wicked gate. We have the following exchange. Evangelists bid me come hither and knock as I did, and he said that you, sir, would tell me what I must do. An open door is set before thee, and no man can shut it. Now I begin to reap the benefit of the trouble which I have taken. But how is it that you came alone? Because none of my neighbors saw their danger as I saw mine. Did any of them know you were coming? Yes, my wife and children saw me at the first and called after me to turn again. Also some of my neighbors stood crying and calling after me to return, but I put my fingers in my ears and so came on my way. But did none of them follow you to persuade you to go back? Yes, both obstinate and pliable. But when they saw that they could not prevail, obstinate went railing back. But pliable came with me a little way. But why did he not come through? We indeed came both together until we came to the slough of despond, into the which we also suddenly fell. And then was my neighbor pliable discouraged, and would not venture farther. Wherefore, getting out again on the side next to his own house, he told me I should win the brave country alone for him. So he went his way, and I came mine, he after obstinate, I to this gate. Then said Goodwill, Alas, poor man, is the heavenly glory of so little worth with him that he counteth it not worth running the risk of a few difficulties to obtain it. Bunyan emphasizes the contrast between Christian, who endures the trials, and his neighbors who gave up at the first hint of difficulty. The story of Pliable reminds one of the parable of the sower, where seed was sown on rocky soil. Obstinate symbolizes those whose seed falls by the wayside. In Pilgrim's Progress, Bunyan warns of the great difficulty of being a Christian. Being a Christian doesn't mean that life will suddenly be easy. That is the argument worldly wise man used against Christian. He said, I curse him for his counsel. There is not a more dangerous and troublesome way in the world than is that into which he hath directed thee, and that thou shalt find if thou wilt be ruled by his advice. Thou hast met with something as I perceive already, for I see the dirt of the slough of despond is upon thee. But that slough is the beginning of the sorrows that do attend those that go on in that way. Hear me, I am older than thou. Thou art like to meet with, in the way which thou goest, wearisomeness, painfulness, hunger, perils, nakedness, 
sword, lions, dragons, darkness, and in a word, death, and what not. These things are certainly true, having been proved by the words of many people. And why should a man so carelessly cast away himself by giving heed to a stranger? The reason worldly wise men were so successful in turning Christian from the straight and narrow path is because part of his assessment was right. It is dangerous. It is troublesome. It is wearisome, painful, and perilous, as so many martyrs bear witness. In John's letters to the seven churches, John, in the book of Revelation, emphasizes that only those who endure to the end shall have eternal life with God. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. And he that overcometh, and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father, and I will give him the morning star. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father, and before his angels. He that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set with my Father in his throne. Christian demonstrates his own humility when he refuses to condemn pliable by comparing him to his own weaknesses for listening to worldly wise men. Truly, said Christian, I have said the truth of pliable, and if I should also say the truth of myself, it will appear there is no betterment betwixt him and myself. Tis true, he went on back to his own house, but I also turned aside to go into the way of death, being persuaded thereto by the words of one Mr. Worldly Wise Man. Goodwill knows Mr. Worldly Wise Man. He exclaims, Oh, did he light upon you? What? He would have had you seek for ease at the hands of Mr. Legality. They are both of them a very cheat. But did you take his counsel? Bunyan is careful to precisely describe why Mr. Worldly Wiseman is called a cheat and why the village of morality is false. It shows Christian's own perspicuity that he so quickly recognized how unstable Worldly Wiseman's counsel was. Keep in mind that Worldly Wiseman voiced the majority opinions of the world and that his counsel was filled with half-truths. He advised Christians to take the easy way and to solve his problems by legality and civility. In other words, to use the legal system and the arbitration of compromise. Each avoids personal responsibility. 
It is also brilliantly expressed in Milton's Paradise Lost. In the work council, led by Lucifer, after being cast out of heaven, Satan's generals offer their plans on how best to continue the war against Christ. The focus now is on man, for Satan and his angels have been cast out of heaven. Moloch counsels victory or annihilation. Mammon counsels making a paradise of hell. Belial counsels that they do nothing. Milton describes Belial's approach. Thus Belial, with words clothed in reason's garb, counseled ignoble ease and peaceful sloth, not peace. Worldly wise man is offering the same counsel. As we see from the following dialogue, goodwill offers the Christian way. Yes, as far as I durst, I went to find out Mr. Legality until I thought that the mountain that stands by my house would have fallen upon my head, wherefore there I was forced to stop. That mountain has been the death of many, and will be the death of many more. It is well you escaped being by it dashed in pieces. Why truly I do not know what had become of me there had not Evangelist happily met me again as I was musing in the midst of my dumps. But it was God's mercy that he came to me again, for else I had never come hither. But now I am come, such as one as I am, more fit indeed for death by that mountain than thus to stand talking with my Lord. But, oh, what a favor this is to me! that ye I am to enter here. We make no objections against any, notwithstanding all that they have done before they come hither. They in no wise are cast out, and therefore, good Christian, come a little with me, and I will teach thee about the way thou must go. Look before thee. Dost thou see this narrow way? That is the way thou must go. It was cast up by the men of old prophets, Christ and his apostles, and it is as straight as a rule can make it. It is the way thou must go. But, said Christian, are there no turnings nor windings by which a stranger may lose his way? Yes, there are many ways, but down upon this, and they are crooked and wide. But thus thou mayest distinguish the right from the wrong, the right only being straight and narrow. Please join us next week as Mr. Goodwill tells Christian how to relieve himself of his heavy burden. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.